Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Coffee with Kaufman. Thank you for tuning in today. If you need help keeping track like we have been for the last few months here through the pandemic, today is Wednesday, December 23rd. And I have two special guests with me today who are going to help me wrap up kind of the year. And that is we have Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch and State Senator Jean Lysing. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. It's so wonderful to have you here today. Now, Lieutenant Governor has been on the show today, but Jean, this is your first time. And so we have a really hard pressing question that we ask everyone on their first time on Coffee with Kaufman. And that is, how do you drink your coffee? I don't drink coffee. Okay. I have to be one of the only people in our area that doesn't drink coffee. And uh, my drink of choice early in the morning is Diet Mountain Dew. Can you believe that? So I still get little caffeine. And in fact, here it is right there on the screen. You are ready to go. She does have Diet Mountain Dew in hand. And Lieutenant Governor, I I did ask you, right, how you take your coffee? Yes, and I do decaf, uh, and I like it really hot. All right. So we have varying degrees of caffeine and temperature levels today, from cold to medium to hot to fully loaded with sugar. Well, caffeine, not sugar, because it's diet, to uh, <laughs> all varieties here on Coffee with Kaufman today, because if anyone listening knows, I need more creamer than coffee, because it's just, <laughs> just didn't get into that. Well, on a more serious note, it's been, it's been quite the year, ladies, and so I was wondering if you could help me kind of recap your thoughts on 2020 and, and how COVID has been handled throughout the state. Well, I, you know what, Jody, I'll, I'll, I'll start. Uh, and then I know that Senator Lysing has really uh, been such a leader in her area, and she has a lot to offer in terms of her perspective in her district. But I will tell you, knowing that tomorrow is Christmas Eve and then we have Christmas Day following, uh, this is a time to really be grateful and thankful for our family and friends and loved ones. And I think we appreciate it more this year because of COVID-19 than perhaps I ever have in the past. And, you know, it has been a challenging year for Hoosiers. Uh, you know, we were going gangbusters at the beginning of 2020. Everything was really rocking for the state of Indiana. And we were leading the Midwest in uh, business environment and fifth in the nation and the second most affordable state, best infrastructure in the country, COVID hit. Yeah. Uh, and, and that ended up really kind of refocusing our energies to the health, the safety, and the welfare of our Hoosiers. Uh, and so we had to pivot. And one of the things I am most proud of with my agencies is whether it's agriculture or housing or community and rural affairs or tourism, we pivoted and started focusing our energies on helping Hoosiers with this, through this yeah. pandemic. And um, now in spite, Jody, in spite of all the challenges we've had and everything that we've gone through this year with COVID, Indiana in 2020 has created 28,000 new jobs more than we created in 2019. Building permits throughout the state are up 11%, more than they were in 2019. So we continue to have a solid 
fiscal foundation here in the state of Indiana that is helping us weather the storm as we move through COVID-19. But I talked to a good friend recently. He told me he was staying up till midnight this year. He normally doesn't, but he's staying up to midnight to make sure we get 2020 out the door <laughs> and move forward into 2021. But Senator Lysing, how has it been for you? Well, I think that uh, the biggest challenge for me during COVID was early on, uh, Lieutenant Governor, when uh, some of my hospitals, including our most local hospital here in Batesville, was totally overrun with COVID early. Early enough that people were not quite sure what to do with uh, the patients. I mean, honestly, mm -hmm. um, you know, the treatments weren't out there yet. And uh, fortunately, uh, one of the Cincinnati hospitals came to the rescue and allowed some of the sickest people here to be sent to Cincinnati. But on the flip side of that, um, certainly I'm really proud of the fact that Margaret Mary Health here in Batesville uh, is now one of the centers uh, for the vaccine. And they started vaccinating staff already on Friday uh, and so I think, uh, you know, that's really encouraging to me uh, to see that. Now, I was pretty excited when the numbers really went down in the summertime for COVID. Um, but, you know, they have crept back up here as well. So currently our Franklin and Ripley uh, and Dearborn County area uh, are red again. And, uh, and that's concerning. I watched the Department of Health website every day because I'm on the health committee and I feel like um, it's something we all need to take uh, count of. And, and I mean, the truth is there are still people in our area that doubt whether it's real, okay? And I guess those listeners, I would say it is real. You wanna be careful to protect yourself and your family. And uh, you know, one of my rules uh, with family, and it may not be strong enough, Lieutenant Governor, but I say, you know, hey, you're welcome to whatever we our immediate family is doing. But if you have any symptoms of anything, you know, things that normally we would just say, oh, come ahead, don't worry. Mm -hmm. You know, you shouldn't do that right now because we don't know if that sore throat or that cold or that achiness uh, could be something much worse, like called COVID. So, you know, I, I that's the one thing I guess I would really encourage listeners. And then to applaud the Lieutenant Governor, um, you know, there's been a lot of federal money that has come into the state, and uh, Lieutenant Governor was very helpful in securing uh, some grant money for our meat processors, and this would be our smaller meat processors, not the large corporate ones, but the ones that are, uh, in many cases, in Indiana mom-pop operations, and uh, they were able to get, I believe it was uh, $4 million in total, uh, Lieutenant Governor, is that right? That's right. And, uh, you know, I think it, it maybe took a little convincing uh, by people like the Lieutenant Governor and I to convince the, the governor's staff, is people that helped dole out the money, that, that that was an important issue. But ag is such an important issue. I'm chair of the Ag Committee and Agriculture, um, and we're the second largest industry in the state. And honestly, um, you know, it, it's just uh, very important that we uh, keep it strong. And I think this is one way 
uh, to give an outlet for people to have uh, meat processed. But Jody, let me ask you a question. Yes, you mentioned your 95-year-old grandfather uh, prior to us getting on the air. How has COVID been for you with older relatives that you're close to? Um, it's been very tough. I will say that for sure. Um, I had COVID very early on, one of the first hundred, unfortunately, in the state. Um, and so with that, it was um, that first couple weeks while I was sick, convincing him, he absolutely, he desperately wanted to come help me. And he was, you know, I would have died literally if he would have tried to come near me. I'm um, trying to convince him it was not safe to do that, was not easy. Um, and, and then trying to just maintain regular life for him, you know, because it made him even more homebound than normal, which um, was has been a strain mentally, um, I would say a strain physically. And so I know it's harder for those older Americans that have had to be more homebound because it wasn't safe for him to go out. And my personal um, thing has been to pretty much quarantine myself from normal lifestyles too, just so that I can be around him and make sure he's taken care of. Um, and so that's been a strain for my family and friends too. Um, and, and other family members that I have as well do the same thing. They, you know, we just go to work and go to the grocery store to get our barren essentials and, and, and stay home for the most part so that we can be together still and, and be safe. And, and there have been those moments, you know, things come up and you say, um, I, I'm not sure if this is a symptom or not. So we're going to have to pause and make sure we're safe. And, and it's good to be understanding. And so I, I hope um, other people out there um, have been able to handle it. I'd say, you know, it's tough, but we handle it well. So thanks. That's a tough question. <laughs> well, I'm really anxious to uh, see our staff vaccinated at our nursing homes, our long-term care facilities because that has been one of my big concerns. Um, as you probably know, Jody, the death loss uh, in Indiana, it continues to increase. But if you, I've watched it from the beginning and the death rate of residents of nursing homes when they got COVID um, actually has been running anywhere from 55 to 60% of the deaths. So, you know, you're talking about five and a half or six people out of 10 that have died that were residents of nursing homes when they actually got COVID. So that shows that age and comorbidities, uh, having other health issues are really, they don't go well with this virus. That's all there is to it. So I'm hoping that by getting all the staff and then the residents vaccinated that we're gonna really uh, slow that curve and and help a lot of people. Now, this question would be for both of you. You know, you guys, it just ended a four-year term, both of you. And and so with that, in all your training and all your years and politics and everything of scenarios that could happen, did either one of you ever dream you would ever have to go through a pandemic like this? No, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone, you ask anybody that question, I think everyone would say, no, we never dreamt that we would be in a situation like we find ourselves today. But I do think that in my case and in Senator Lysing's case, it's our experience in having served people that has really given us the tools and the courage to be able to help our constituents uh, weather the storm and, and take the necessary steps to stay safe. Uh, so that I, I guess I would say that 
my experience and training in local government as an auditor and a commissioner, and then as a legislator, as a state representative, then auditor of state, and now lieutenant governor, all that experience and training really has helped me in terms of whether it's local government that we're helping because of how they're trying to deal with the challenge of the COVID-19 or whether it's someone in agriculture or whether it's someone in housing or with rental assistance and mortgage payment assistance or tourism with grants that we're giving to festivals and to destinate. All of that has helped me weather this storm uh, and has helped me, I hope, be able to give guidance and to be able to give courage to Hoosiers that are weathering the storm along with me. But no, I don't think any of us would have dreamt that we'd find ourselves in a global pandemic as we are today. What, do you, what about you, Senator Lysing? Well, I would say that I think the biggest challenge facing now the legislators will be the fact that we'll be going into our regular session starting January 4th. And, um, you know, the challenges for our leadership uh, are, are certainly there because we will have to maintain a quorum. And that means, uh, you know, that we have to have uh, two thirds of our senators present in order to vote. And um, I think that the plans, they've had a committee uh, called, they named it the Continuity Committee to try to work out all the particulars to allow this to hopefully go on smoothly. Uh, the 30 out of the 50 senators, 30 of us will be seated on the Senate floor. I will actually be on the Senate floor, Lieutenant Governor, and I'm happy about that because <laughs> 20 will be in the gallery. And if you've ever been in the, our gallery, it's very steep steps. And I'm like, geez, I might be more worried about falling down the steps in the gallery than, than uh, getting COVID, you know? <laughs> but there will be 20 senators up there uh, to try to separate all of us to get put some distance. And and I'm sure the majority will be wearing masks. Uh, I don't think it's mandated, but I know on Organization Day in November, everyone wore masks uh, in the Senate. So um, I think the other bigger challenge may be our committee meetings. Um, committees is where we a lot of work is done in the Indiana Senate at the committee level. Um, which is probably a lot different than Washington, D.C., okay? I mean, we actually, uh, when it's an ag issue, it comes before my committee, and the members of that committee really try to work out uh, the differences on those bills, and we hear testimony from people on all sides of the, whatever the issue is. I think the way that's going to work this year is that the committee members will be um, in one room, and then... Those people testifying will be in a different room and they'll be testifying over Zoom, believe it or not. <laughs> and so I think that um, that's going to be challenging for all of us uh, just to, you know, that that really the tech, the tech part of it. The truth is, uh, you know, hopefully the system stays up and running or we don't have to have committees recess for a period of time while the Zoom gets re whatever worked. So uh, I think it'll be uh, very interesting. But our biggest challenge at the legislature for this next session will be the two-year budget and also redistricting. Those are the two big issues that the legislature will be facing 
Uh, and um, I would tell you that I don't think either of them will be bit easy, Lieutenant Governor. I think that the, that very frankly, the budget is going to be more challenging than any I've seen in my political lifetime. And uh, redistricting is never simple. So, Senator, if, if you don't mind, just for a second, for those that don't understand what redistricting is, can you kind of give them the Cliff's Notes version of that? Absolutely. Uh, what it really means is that, as everyone knows, every 10 years, we have a U.S. Census. And I'm sure everybody that's listening participated in that in 2020. And so when the U.S. government releases those numbers, we have to balance out, when I say we, the legislature, have to balance out the number of senators in each district and the average number and an average number of representatives in each district. Currently, based on our census from 2010, there are about 130,000 residents that are in like my Senate district. Okay, now the Senate districts though and the House districts are all drawn differently depending on everything from communities of interest to where the population bases are. And so my district right now uh, consists of all or parts of seven counties. I only have Rush County and then I have pieces of six counties, Ripley, Franklin, Decatur, Shelby, Henry, and Fayette. And so um, that some Senate districts have only, well, the ones in urban areas may only have a piece of one county, or maybe for many senators, they only have two counties. So because I have a large rural district, mine is, is, is uh, and less populated, I have a much larger geographic area. Uh, I could always hope that uh, Lieutenant Governor, that somehow uh, maybe my district gets squared up a little. But, you know, we don't know. There will be a committee that will work on that, and they try to draw those lines as fair as they can. So it's uh, it, it, But it's always contentious because uh, some people don't like the districts that they've been drawn. Some people do. And you know what? It, it's all for me. It's fine. I enjoy being in all seven of my counties, but... I think it, it is a little more difficult sometimes for constituents when the counties are split uh, in two or three ways, because then sometimes individual constituents aren't sure which senator is theirs. So what I tell people, Lieutenant Governor, is, hey, if I have part of your county, make sure you call me, too, because, you know, you can always say, hey, I want everybody to know what is important, uh, you know, and I want to know what's important to them. So. Anyway, but that's kind of the way it works, and we'll have to get that done, hopefully, by the close of the 2021 session, which should be by law April 29th. Yeah, that's actually really good advice, because, you know, here in southeastern Indiana, for the WRBI listening district, neighbors very well could either have yourself or Senator Jeff Ratz or uh, Senator Chip Perfect, and it really could be the difference of a few hundred to a mile of distance. That's right. Yeah. So it's definitely good to have, if you, like she said, you know, if you're not sure, call her anyway. It's good to have multiple senators in your pocket. (laughs) As I tell people, you know, because I I know after the last redistricting, there were some constituents that were really frustrated about that. And I said, hey, you know, you always feel free to call me uh, because then I get a broader sense of 
what people are really saying and thinking in my district, whether it's an educator or a farmer or a business person. It's always good to know what's important to people. And the other thing I would just tell your listeners is, you know, don't assume that even though I've been in the Senate for several years, don't assume that I know everything about the issue that might be most important to them or their family. Always make sure, you know, that you let us know. And if I hear from five or more constituents on one issue, I know suddenly that means that that's an issue and that there are a whole bunch of other people that are actually thinking about that issue, but they just haven't bothered to call or email or text. Yeah. Good point. Good point. And Jody, I, anyone can call me because I <laughs> serve the entire state. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good. Definitely to call Lieutenant governor as well and let her know or contact her office. Let your, your politicians know if you have issues, that's the only way they can help you out. And, and more than likely, like Senator Lysing said, if it's an issue for you, it's probably an issue for someone else too. So next four years, we're on to our new set of four years. What would you guys say are your top priorities for the next four years or for even just 2021? Well, I think for, you know, first of all, we are still in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic. And so there is light at the end of the tunnel because vaccinations have started. Uh, but it will probably be summer before every Hoosier that wants to get vaccinated will be able to. So we know we still have this period of time where people can't let their guard down. And we will be focused on that as we move forward. Now, I will also tell you that one of the agencies I oversee is the housing agency. And they have provided tens of millions of dollars in rental assistance and mortgage payment assistance to Hoosiers throughout the state. And in addition to that, the latest bill that the, that the uh, looks like has been passed will end up putting tens of millions of dollars more to that agency for rental payment assistance. So in 2021, we're gonna still be focused on COVID-19 and the recovery process, not just for families, but for businesses throughout Indiana. And I will say that, you know, we are focused 100% on, you know, this upcoming legislative session, working with our partners like Senator Lysing to be sure that we pass a budget uh, that is balanced, uh, that does not have tax increases on Hoosiers at this time and also allows for a healthy surplus for emergencies, just like we went into this year with a healthy surplus. Uh, We'll be focused on those, keeping education whole, valuing our teachers, keeping Medicaid whole, uh, and then being able to have the resources to continue to serve Hoosiers. We know it's gonna be a very challenging budget year because revenues have been affected by COVID-19 And so one of the things that we'll be looking to do is if we don't have a lot of money to appropriate for services and programs, how can we roll back regulations and cut red tape so that businesses and families can reduce their costs in terms of doing business in the state of Indiana and with the state of Indiana? So those will be some of the things that we will be focusing on. I know that 
From my standpoint, I chaired the Intellectual and Developmental Disability Task Force, and those are Hoosiers with autism, Down syndrome, or cerebral palsy, and will be focused on continuing to help them through this very challenging time. Also, I'll be focusing energies on mental health. What keeps me up at night, I know it keeps Senator Lysing up at night, is the human cost of this epidemic. And those Hoosiers that are struggling with mental health or fighting addiction or you know, suffering from depression or the victims of abuse or suicidal, those Hoosiers are the ones that we really need to be looking at how we're delivering services and do we have the right supports in place to help them through this very challenging time. So it, it's, you know, it's going to be, I would say 2021 is very much still going to be affected by COVID-19, but we will continue to do the things that keep us healthy and sound, not just as a state and with our Hoosier families, but our economic foundation, keeping it healthy and sound so that we can continue to carry Hoosiers through this very trying time. Senator Lysing. Right. Well, I would tell you that uh, some of the things that I think uh, that I'll be working on specifically beyond those big two big issues of the budget and redistricting. Um, but uh, in regard to agriculture, uh, there will be um, a, re a new piece of legislation that's been worked on now for a couple of years uh, in regard to uh, updating regulations in regard to pesticides the use in in our state and we we had to balance something that's uh, appropriate for farmers but also the environment and for area residents and so i think we've come to a good place on that and uh, uh through a interim uh committee that met this summer um that uh i believe that 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 bill now is is in a much better place than it was last year uh and then uh in regard to health one of the things I'm working on, Lieutenant Governor, and I haven't really talked to you about this, but I've been worried about the stories that I hear from uh, family members of people who have uh, family members in nursing homes and the fact that they haven't been able to see them regularly. So I'm working on some legislation in regard to compassionate care, um, which means that one designated person in a family if they met all the requirements of the long-term care facility, whether that's testing and uh, all the different protocols that are required, that they would be able to get in uh, to see their loved one. Because I've heard of folks that, you know, not every facility has handled this the same way. Now, it's not an easy issue though, Lieutenant Governor, because guess what? The federal government has CMS regulations, which we can't overstep. And I'm gonna try to work with our Department of Health on this because I don't wanna overstep them either. But I think that when I hear of, of residents that are very depressed, their dementia has gotten worse, um, they've lost weight because nobody's coming to help them eat or feed them, um, you know, it, it's concerning. And so, and these are people that are uh, feeling the negative effects from COVID being in their facility, but they don't have it. And yet they're receiving the 
lack of, you know, whatever the, the negative benefits of the COVID being there. So anyway, I'm working hard on that and we'll see if we can come up with something that makes sense. Okay. Without jeopardizing uh, the, re the other residents. So, and then uh, I would say in education, I'm also an education committee and education. I think our biggest challenge is going to be to try to figure out how much kids have lost that have been in schools that were um, totally virtual. Now, fortunately here in our area, most of the schools have tried hard to be in the classroom. Some of them have had to break away for short uh, uh, times. I believe uh, Decatur County Schools had to break away for a couple weeks because they had too many school bus drivers that were impacted with COVID. But I think that there is no doubt that uh, kids have lost education as a result of the COVID. And so as a result, um, I think we're gonna have to figure out either through NWEA testing or whatever, what that loss is. And I'm hoping that we won't find kids that have lost more than one semester, but I'm, I'm really worried about the schools that went 100% virtual. Um, and then one of the positive things that I'm working on also is that our college kids, a lot of them are not aware of the fact that they're, if they, if they if their parents fill out the FAFSA, um, it's an acronym for a, a kind of a pain in the neck kind of form that they have to fill out, but it's not, it's for funding and it's not just for loans or for grants from the government. It also may entitle them to some scholarships through various companies and whatever. So I think in our area, we have a lot of kids that uh, their parents are not uh, aware of that availability. And so they say, well, we can't go on to college because uh, we can't afford it or we don't want to go into debt that to that level. And so I've, I'm hoping that we can improve the language we currently have in regard to uh, student participation in FAFSA. I know that our um, state uh, as a whole has lost uh, many, many dollars that are going to be taken up by somebody in another state through the scholarships and things just because our applications um, have not been submitted through FAFSA. So, so that's, a, that's another big deal. Uh, broadband, I'm on utilities committee, broadband is a big issue. It's probably never been bigger, Lieutenant Governor, because again, of these kids that have had to, maybe they have to just even because of quarantine, have had to go virtual for a few weeks. Uh, but I have a lot of areas in my district where the broadband is just not very strong or not available at all. And so even if it's available, they may be not able to submit an assignment because, and so then their parents have a choice of either driving them to like a McDonald's parking lot or the library parking lot or somewhere to try to uh, swipe a signal to, uh, to get enough power. Um, the problem is, I mean, the governor uh, figured out how to dole out $100 million in broadband grants this year. I believe maybe the last 20 or so hasn't been distributed at this point. But uh, broadband is such an expensive technology to expand. And so um, I worry about 
where we go from here and how that happens. And then I can tell you a, another challenge is that companies that already provide broadband service in a particular area don't want necessarily another company that is receiving a grant that would overbuild their current territory. So, you know, there's always the competition factor when you get government money involved. So anyway, so those are some of the key things that I will probably be uh, looking at and working on. Um, but I think our, our legislature will have its hands full, Lieutenant Governor. And Jody, just to, just to support, I think broadband absolutely is the number one critical issue and priority just moving forward because COVID has really driven it home. You know, with as Senator Lexi mentioned, with our students e-learning, but then with workers mm -hmm. teleworking and healthcare being delivered telehealth. I mean, never has the need for broadband been been driven home more than during COVID-19. And so what used to be a luxury is now an essential. And yes, we have dedicated $100 million to expanding broadband throughout Indiana. You have in your listener area, they have been the beneficiary of a lot of those grants to be able to continue to expand broadband. But we know that we have to continue to make it a priority because not only students, but health services, workers, agriculture, you name it. Everyone has to be connected these days if we're going to have the quality of life and economic opportunity that Hoosiers need and deserve. So Senator Lysing is dead on broadband will be a priority of this administration and of the General Assembly in 2021 and beyond. Yeah, I definitely look forward to hearing more about that. I myself am one that would be affected. I do live in an area where broadband does not exist. And so working from home means working from my vehicle in the parking lot at a at the fairgrounds or going to a business that has it for free if if necessary. And so should we need to move towards that still before the vaccination's ready for everyone? Um, it's definitely, I think, a priority for people around the state like myself. So, well, ladies, I look forward to hearing very much about how um, the term is going throughout the session upcoming that starts on January 4th. But until then, thank you so much for your time today. And Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and hopefully 2021 brings us new perspectives of positivity, I'd say. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, and I look forward to being on your show again in the future.